You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Between God and men, uh, the man, Christ Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 3.1, the Bible says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. And he is the one that mediates for us between God and man. We don't need a priest uh, to mediate between God and man. There is no man that's not a pastor. There's nobody else that stands between you and God. Uh, We go right through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through him, through his sacrifice, uh, and he is the one that has made access to the Father for us. But the priest here had neglected their duties. And in neglecting their duties, now Malachi is given the job to correct them for what they had done or had not done. They had watered down their messages. Uh, They had required little. And as a result, the people of God had slid into an apathetic and careless service for God. You know, when there are no high standards, there are no high, high guides, there are no high expectations, and everything is low... That's what you get. And here the priest had slid, and there it didn't matter. People were able to just serve God any way they were comfortable with. Now, doesn't that sort of like sound like America? How many people feel, they, they think that they can just serve God? Well, you know, Pastor, uh, the the uh, the wilderness is my church. Boy, that sounds so good, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Well, I just serve God my own way. No, you don't serve God your own way. Either you serve God God's way or you don't serve God. But the attitude, because the priests did not hold people accountable and they were not presenting truth the way God wanted it presented, then everybody then could interpret for themselves what they wanted in their own life and what was acceptable to them. So the result was that the people of God had slid into this apathetic uh, and, and careless service for God. So as Malachi enters into the picture here, he begins this confrontation. And in uh, chapter 1, verse number 1, we see how, how he does some of that. Let's go there real quickly. Malachi 1 and verse 1. Keep your Bibles out. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture tonight. Uh, Malachi 1, verse 1. The burden uh, of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau's, uh, Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. Uh, so here what he is doing here is he is communicating to them uh, what God is saying, and then he turns around and he is showing the other side. Uh, and he, he is saying, uh, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? So, so Malachi begins this confrontation by, by telling what God says and then telling what the people are saying back to God in response before they ever say anything. Have you ever had somebody tell you what you think? Isn't it irritating? That's exactly what Malachi is doing. He's telling him, but this is what you're thinking. This is what you say. They haven't said anything yet. 
But Malachi's right. Why? Because it's God that's telling him. And here he is, what he's, re, what he's doing is he is removing, he is removing the argument. And, and as he is removing the argument, he is going to be able to set the, uh, set the stage so they can understand where they are really at and what was going on. And so, so here, these, these people had been questioning God, uh, and, and these were the leaders. He's talking at this point just to the priest. And, and so these Levites, they had a great heritage. They had been given a wonderful gift, a wonderful opportunity uh, to be in covenant with God, to be the priest uh, of the Lord. And so uh, this entire uh, people, uh, the Levite, the tribe of Levi, they were chosen to be the priest and they were the mouthpieces of the Lord. So Malachi, let's go back to chapter 2 and verse number 6. We're going to see some of the, uh, the heritage here. Uh, verse number 6, The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. Now, he's referring back to the initial high priest. Of course, we're thinking about Aaron at that point. And so Aaron here was one that was standing. He was turning people uh, from their sins. He was communicating truth. And here God is sort of summing the entire nation or the entire tribe of Levi up uh, with one individual referring to, uh, to uh, Aaron there. Uh, verse 7, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So here we find uh, in this passage we're going to look at four different rebukes uh, that uh, came from Malachi or from the Lord to the priest. And the results of these errors was that it wasn't just that they were wrong. It was now because of their error, everybody else was wrong as well. And so just the, the great problem uh, that was there. And so tonight I want to speak to you on the subject when truth is compromised. When truth is compromised. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Pray that you would just uh, help us tonight. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. Uh, so just uh, help us to be able to, uh, to look into your word and to see some things that will be a help to us. And just give us wisdom, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So here, uh, Malachi chapter 2 and verse number 8, uh, Malachi makes the, the, the confronts them here. He says, But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my laws, but have been partial in the law. So uh, here we find several things that the priests have done wrong. First of all, they caused the people to stumble. And so in this, they, the causing the people to stumble, they had wandered out of the way. They caused uh, the people to stumble. Uh, so when, when the leadership strays from the way that they're supposed to walk in, there are other people that are watching. And, and here, the group of people that were being looked at were the priests. Now, uh, we don't have priests today, but we have pastors. And 
there are spiritual leaders and there is a responsibility for those in spiritual leadership to make sure that they do not uh, err and get out of the way. Uh, the, in verse number eight, it said that the priest had departed out of the way. They were no longer following the path that they were supposed to follow. And the result was they caused the people of God to stumble. Uh, and the, the priests wandering, their departing resulted in the people stumbling. Uh, so they caused people to stumble. The priests corrupted the, the covenant of Levi, secondly. Uh, and so this was a holy covenant. This was a covenant that God had made with the uh, tribe of Levi, and they were to be the priests. They were to be the ones that were going to represent the Lord. That was a holy covenant. That was a holy uh, uh, covenant, and it was a wonderful uh, opportunity for the Levites to be able to do such a, uh, a wonderful uh, job there, to be able to serve the Lord. And so they corrupted that holy uh, covenant. There was a relationship with God. The this covenant was an agreement, uh, and there was a certain closeness was there. But these priests had, had corrupted that, uh, that covenant. So the priests caused the people to stumble. They uh, corrupted the covenant of Levi. Don't get too excited about the points going through. This isn't the message. This is just introduction. All right. Uh, thirdly, we see that they were contemptible. Uh, God looked at him and said, I have made you co contemptible among the people. You know what? Uh, when leaders don't do what they're supposed to do, uh, the fellowship does not respect them. And that is, that is contemptible. And it's very sad when Christian leaders fail. Uh, Christian leaders have moral failures. Christian leaders have uh, ethic failures. Uh, when they do not uh, follow the, the plans of God, it is, it is destructive and, and it is injurious to so many. But God says, uh, you have been made corrupt or contemptible uh, to the people of God. And so they were, they were base. Uh, they were contemptible. Uh, why was that? Because they were disobedient. It was just uh, their choices not to follow things the way God had laid them out had had changed that whole uh, that whole uh, wonderful opportunity of being a priest uh, fourthly here they became casual verse number nine says but ye have been partial in the law what they're saying was you you only taught some of the law you only taught the good parts you only taught the parts to make everybody happy you only preach the love of God. And isn't it wonderful when we just look at the love of God? But the love of God also has a flip side and there is a judgment of God. And you can't have a loving God without a judging God. There's both sides. Uh, God loves and what God loves, what what is against what God loves is something that God hates. And so, so here they, they have been casual. They had, had not uh, taught the whole law. They were partial in the law. So look with it, uh, me here in verse number one of this chapter. It says, O now, O ye priests, this command is for you. And so, so here this 
this condemnation is direct, directed uh, towards the priests because of what they had done, because of what they had not done. And if the priests had given the people better instruction, then they would have been able to make better decisions. They would have been able to follow the Lord. Uh, they would, be, would have been able to, to bring to God what God had expected. One of the things, according to Matthew Henry, he says, if the priests had given the people better instructions, the people would have brought better offerings, and therefore the blame returns upon the priest. And so there were, there were things that God is going to go through, but he starts here with these priests. Now these priests, like pastors of today, were to teach the people the word of God. Now they offered sacrifices, New Testament, we don't have any sacrifices to offer. Uh, they have all been tied up in the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there are no sacrifices uh, to, to give in the New Testament, uh, animal sacrifices, that is. Uh, but there's still a responsibility today to teach the Word of God, to live the Word of God. It can't just be that we give out uh, what is uh, palatable. You know, sometimes, sometimes what we need isn't what we like. And, and I'm not going to give the, the priest a pass here, but if the people are not receptive, it is a lot easier for the, the teacher, the priest, the pastor to try to veer that's why God told the pastors, be not afraid of their faces. Why was that? Because when there is, when there is not the reception of God's word, then, then it gets harder to stand for God's word. Now, I'm thankful that that's not the case, uh, that we don't have uh, problems with that. But the reality is, the priest can't go bad if the people don't let them. The pastors can't go bad if the people don't let them. You know, there is accountability, and it's not just this way, your way, it, it comes the other direction as well. And the accountability is that, is God's word being preached? Is God's word being taught? And that is something that uh, it, is, it is important for all of us to stay uh, engaged in. Now, uh, with that, I want to just sort of run through some, some of the expectations, the qualifications, if you would, uh, of a New Testament pastor. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to get back to Malachi, uh, I think around 9 o'clock, uh, but uh, uh, we'll, we, will, we will get to the message. Uh, but just leading up to some of the the, uh, uh, the, the message truth here. Uh, first of all, I want you to see 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12, 1 Timothy 4, 12. The Bible says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the, of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So here, as Paul is admonishing Timothy, a young pastor, he's telling him, listen, these are some things that are supposed to be in you, and you are to be an example. These priests were not being an example of the things that they were to be holding high. The expectations, the qualifications, they weren't following through with that. Uh, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and verse number 1. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 
The Bible says this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetousness, or not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into repro reproach and the snare of the devil. Now go over to, to Titus, uh, and in Titus chapter number one, there's another list of qualifications. Some of them uh, overlap, uh, but uh, these are some other qualifications. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus uh, are referred to as the pastoral epistles. So here we have another list of qualifications in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, he says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. And so uh, here what we find is that there is this expectation of the spiritual leaders that the people should have and they should hold them accountable to these. Now with that though, the the uh, not just the lifestyle of the spiritual leader is at a high, a high spot, but when the, the teaching, the preaching of the word of God is, is partial, then that means the people are going to get a partial faith. They are only going to uh, live up to this partial expectation because they have not been given the whole counsel of God. So here, when uh, God is looking at these uh, priests, he is telling them that they had, they had shortchanged the people of God because they did not do what they were supposed to do. They did not follow these expectations that were on them. Then they gave the people uh, something that was only partial so then their, their partial fellowship was based on the expectation of the leadership in their life. Now, uh, with that, I don't know about you, but I don't want somebody putting a lid on my spiritual growth. I don't want somebody, and nobody can. Nobody can put a lid on any of our spiritual growth. We have the Word of God, and God can teach all of us and lead us and guide us. But at the same time, uh, these priests were condemned by God because they did not preach uh, the whole counsel of God. Now, with that, that should cause you to want to have a pastor that is preaching the whole counsel of God, uh, whether it is uh, on somebody else's sins or whether it's on our 
sins. Uh, it's a lot nicer when we preach on somebody else's sins, uh, but when we preach on and it hits us between the eyes, when it steps on our toes, then if we're not careful, we can start to uh, back against that and fight against it. And in doing so, uh, there is a, a very real uh, aspect to where pastors will start to drop their, uh, their preaching, their teaching, because they don't want to offend anybody. Now, if I offend you, I am sorry. But I'm going to stand before God one day. And with that, I want to make sure that I please Him first and foremost. Now, I want to please you as well. And I want to help you as well. But the reality is, we, we collectively, corporately, if a church is going to be what it's supposed to be, we have to make sure that our focus isn't just on what we want, it is on what does God say. And when we keep our focus on what God says, it doesn't matter who the messenger is. It matters what the message is. It matters because God is the one that is communicating his word to us. And there is just a different spokesman that is there communicating that to people. But I want you to see that there was some compromise. Uh, when truth is compromised, uh, there is a fallout from that. When, when we compromise on truth because we don't want to offend, when we compromise on truth because it's too controversial, when we compromise on truth because society or culture no longer accepts something, then we find ourselves compromising and there will be a result. There will be a fallout. So, so here we are going to get to the message now. All right, so here they had compromised. I want you to see five things tonight. Number one, uh, the ministry co covenant. They had compromised this ministry covenant. God had called these priests into a covenant with him to communicate and lead the people of God. And in Malachi 2 and verse 8, he said, but ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. So as we have stated already, they have compromised their ministry, their purpose of existence, their calling, their calling, and what God said, they had uh, corrupted that covenant of Levi. So this was that ministry covenant that had been uh, compromised, and, and that is a, a tragic thing. Uh, secondly, when you compromise truth, you don't just compromise the ministry covenant. Uh, we see that it came down to the most important of human relationships. It compromised the marriage covenant. Look in the uh, next verses here in verse number 10 and 11. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why deal we every man, uh, deal we treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. So here what we find is now uh, it has moved in 
from the relationship of being a spokesman in ministry covenant with God. That compromise has now, it has affected because the pastors, the priests were not holding to the truth. Now the people started looking around and they started stepping outside God's plan for their lives. Now, uh, God had a plan that the Israelites, the Hebrew people, married within uh, the, their nation. That was God's plan. It is very clear in the, the scripture that that's what God's plan was for them. And there was a marriage covenant. Now they had, they had uh, transgressed that. They had what God said. They had dealt treacherously and they had stepped outside uh, God's plan. And God called it an abomination. Now, why was that? Uh, they had married uh, daughters of a strange God. He's talking about these individuals are now uh, not just marrying somebody uh, of a different nationality. Uh, we're talking about somebody who serves a different God. Different worldviews. Can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is, of, of course, is no. And here, uh, God's people had, had transgressed this law. And with that, uh, it was a result of the, of the priest not preaching uh, the, what, was, what needed to be preached and taught because the people had already started embracing these false gods and, and embracing marriage with those that were outside the nation of Israel. And, and here, God was saying, listen, because you transgressed, because the priest departed out of the way, now my people are dealing treacherously and they have started embracing uh, uh, lifestyles that were outside God's plan. So mixed marriages were contrary to the plan of God for Israel, specifically referring to marrying those uh, who worship false gods. And this was not allowed in the, in the uh, covenants of Israel. They were not allowed to marry outside their nation. But the, the priest's unwillingness to preach and to teach what God said, the people then started to stray. So there had to be that, out, that accountability. So uh, they began to uh, live outside the plan of God for their lives. Uh, there is always personal responsibility. None of us can ever say that it's somebody else's fault for my actions. Somebody may have had influence, but ultimately we make decisions for ourselves. But God was looking at it and saying, if the priests would have done their job, then my people would have stayed where they needed to be. So there is, there is an accountability that was there. Uh, the, the priestly responsibility was first. So what does that teach us? That teaches us that God holds leaders accountable on every level. God holds, God holds us accountable. We're going to be accountable. If you are in a leadership position, mom, dad, you're going to be held accountable for your family. Dad, you're going to be ultimately accountable for your family. No matter how good of a leader, how, how smart of a wife you have, you're going to be the one standing before God because that's God's plan. All of us have got a responsibility 
uh, that we will be held according to God's plan. So teaching the truths of God does not guarantee obedience, but not teaching the truth of God does guarantee disobedience. Let me say that again. Teaching the truths of God does not guarantee obedience, but not teaching the truth of God does guarantee disobedience. And so here, uh, this, this uh, teaching, God was dealing with these priests, but uh, because of what they had done, uh, the people then had failed in, this, uh, in their covenants with God. Uh, the marriage covenant, if you would. Uh, Malachi chapter 2, look at verse number 14. Yet ye say, wherefore, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, uh, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with a uh, garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Uh, Therefore, take heed to your spirit, that ye deal not treacherously. Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? Uh, when ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? So, so here what we find is this marriage covenant has been, uh, has been compromised because truth was being compromised. The ministry covenant was compromised. Uh, the marriage covenant was co- uh, compromised. And to the extent that they were marrying outside the nation of Israel, but not just marrying outside the nation of Israel, now they are divorcing. You know what? Divorce, God still hates divorce. God still hates divorce. That it isn't just, well, you know, in our culture, in our day, it's accepted. And I, and I understand, we have people in our, our services tonight who are divorced. And I'm not attacking somebody for that being the situation. But at the same time, we still need to make sure that we are not getting to a place that uh, a divorce isn't a bad thing. Divorce is against God's plan. There should have been an amen right there. God is against divorce. That is not God's plan. And, and the people had gotten to a place where they would just put away one wife to go get another wife. And God was looking at that saying, you're dealing treacherously. He says, I have made one. That is God's plan. And with that, uh, because the teaching wasn't where it was supposed to be, then what happened was the standards and the conviction and the truth was compromised. Therefore, when they, they came up onto personal relationships, it was too controversial to talk about. God's word is not too, t- too controversial to talk about. It ought not be for us. And here, this, uh, this teaching, uh, it was dealing with this marriage uh, covenant, and they had put that covenant aside. Thirdly, we see something else that was dropped, and it wasn't just the ministry covenant, it wasn't just the marriage covenant. Here's where you get afraid when we go into Malachi, the money covenant. The money covenant. Look with me at verse number 12. Here in Malachi chapter 2, verse number 12, The Lord will cut off the man that doeth this. 
the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacle of Jacob, and him that offer an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears and with weeping and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering anymore or receiveth it with goodwill at your hand. You know what has happened? Now God's people were bringing offerings, uh, but God wasn't receiving the offerings anymore. They were bringing the offerings the way they wanted them. They would bring them with, uh, with weeping. They'd bring them with tears as though that was good enough, but it wasn't good enough. You see, God not only says, I want you to offer a sacrifice and I want you to give to me. God says, I want you to give the way I have said to give. But when the heart is not there, what we find is that uh, these individuals were trying to just cover up their error by, by buying with an offering. And God was saying, listen, I am not going to accept that. I am not going to accept it. These offerings were offered, but they were not accepted. You know, there ought to be a heart of sacrifice when we give. There ought to be a heart of sincerity uh, when we give. And we can go into chapter 3 and address the seriousness of how God looks at uh, the offerings and views the sacrifices and offerings. And so since you asked about that, let's go ahead and go there. Chapter 3 and verse number 1, Malachi 3 and uh, verse number 7 is where we'll start. Malachi 3, 7. The Bible says, Even from the days of your fathers ye, have, ye, have, uh, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Now notice here, the offerings were tied to their departing from God. It wasn't saying that they felt like they had departed from God. God was looking at them and saying, you have departed from me, and your offerings have revealed that. Okay? He says, will a man rob God? But ye, yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. But these, these individuals, because the truth had been compromised, then in their, their uh, ministry covenant was compromised, their marriage covenant was compromised, then their offerings, their money covenant, the covenants with God, giving to God, sacrificing and offering God uh, uh, offerings, uh, that, was, that was compromised. And they had robbed God. They had robbed God. You know what? Uh, it, ought to be, it ought to just be something that all of us understand that not only, not only do I, do I des does God deserve for me to give to him, I should want to give to him. And if I don't want to give to God, there's something wrong with my heart. If, if Deb tells me there's something she wants, I'll do anything to get it. 
That's just a reality. I've got a little, I've got a little in one of my in one of my organizational apps, one of the titles of one of the folders is Deb's Desires. If I hear she, if I hear her say that she wants something, it goes into that list. And I'm going to do anything that I can to be able to fulfill that. Why? Because I love her. So when God says, bring you all the tithes, 10%? That's all? Shouldn't my heart just want to? That's something God wants. It shouldn't be an issue for us to be want, for us to want to give to God. If we love God, we will want to give to Him. That is the natural outpouring of love, is the natural instinct to want to give. And here, these nations, uh, the nation of Israel, they had, they had, because truth had fallen, because there was no, the teaching wasn't there, because they had compromised uh, in uh, the ministry and what was being taught, they, they compromised in their, their relationships, the most vital relationship, the most uh, important human relationship, the relationship of marriage, uh, they had compromised there. Then they compromised compromised on giving back to God, uh, the, what God had given to them. Uh, we are just stewards of what God has given. God owns it all. And he only, he only asked for 10% back. So, Brother Franklin, can you give me $100 real quick? Let me, I know you've already, you always have hundreds in your wallet. But you know what? If Brother Franklin gave me a $100 bill, how many of you would be willing to give him 10 back? Anybody? If he gives me the 100, will you give him the 10 back? Great. <laughs> but no, if he gave me $100 and he only asked for 10 back, man, that's a pretty good deal. So, so here, this, this thing of giving, it is, it's not just that there's this high expectation of giving so much. No, everything that I have belongs to God. And when I believe that and I embrace that, then, then here, my giving back to him, uh, the tithes and an offering, it is so little compared to all that he gives to us. And then there is a blessing that's tied to it when I give. So I give him back a tenth of what he has given to me, plus an offering, and he says, I will bless you for doing that. Though he has already blessed me already. Pretty amazing. Uh, but truth is compromised, and we see these things fall. Uh, fourthly, we see the messenger of the covenant, chapter number three here, verse one. Uh, he said, behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Now, uh, here, uh, we're, he is talking, uh, and he is literally talking about John the Baptist. Uh, this is referring to the one that is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Uh, so they have the ministry, or the messenger of the covenant, uh, 
uh, because the coming of the Savior had been promised and there was a messenger that was going to go before him. And so uh, all of these things, they just start falling. Uh, they start, the importance of them drop off. Uh, with, with the messenger of the covenant, they should have been looking for the messenger uh, because they knew that the Messiah was coming. Now for us, we know it's already been, it's already happened. John the Baptist has come. The Savior has come. It's, it's past tense in our lives. But these people, they were to be looking forward to all these things. And because truth had dropped, because the teaching was not there, they were not anticipating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so the messenger of the covenant uh, would, that was preparing the way of the Lord was not looked for. The Messiah, fifthly, of the covenant was not sought for. Verse number two, but who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller soap and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. And and I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be as a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against the false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and, the, and that turn aside the stranger from his uh, right. Uh, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed." You know, uh, here, because truth was compromised, they stopped looking for the coming Savior. And you know what? When truth is compromised in our life, the anticipation for the Lord's return is not there. Because we get caught up in what's going on down here. So here, there was a lot at stake you know, we, we want to make sure that we're ready when the Lord comes. I want to be looking for Him. Are, are we ready? Are we ready for the Lord's return? See, the Lord is coming back. You know, the delay that we are experiencing of His coming is not a delay. The Lord's not late. When I was a youth pastor, I would and we had events or activities or things going on, I would always tell the teenagers to be there a minimum of 15 minutes before I was planning on leaving or starting. If there was travel time involved, it was always 30 minutes. Sometimes they'd say, well, we're late. It's time to go. I said, no, we're right on time. Because I already knew what time I needed to leave, what time we, we needed to get started. And so I backed up trying to make allowance for the ones that, whether it was the teenagers and sometimes it was the parents, uh, that they would, they would not be there. Uh, and so I would make those allowances up ahead of time. Now, you know what? The Lord's not late. He's right on time. He know, God knows exactly when the sun's coming back. And one day the Lord is coming. And I pray that each and every one of us should be so consumed with truth that, that the truth will cause us 
to not be so attached to this world that we really are anticipating, hey, Lord, you're coming. And I'm looking forward to your coming. I'm looking forward to an anticipation of the Lord's coming. Uh, Malachi 2.17, ye have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord. What had happened? They had gotten to a place where they were commending, they were patting people on the back as they were disobeying God. They became okay with sin. Sort of like when, when Paul had to address the immorality that was going on in the church of Corinth. And they, they had allowed this brother who was living in an immoral relationship with, his, uh, with another member of the family, uh, an immoral, ungodly relationship. And they were commending themselves for their love. And since they were so loving, it wasn't, this brother was okay. That was evil. They didn't stand for truth. Truth was compromised. Paul corrected them on that. He said that you shouldn't even have uh, food. You shouldn't even have meals uh, or fellowship with one that uh, is living uh, that kind of licentious lifestyle. And so, uh, so here, uh, they're, they're, they were saying, you know, we, they had embraced sinful living. It had been okay, become okay in their lives. Uh, they had commended it instead of condemned it. Uh, they were getting to the place where they said, well, you know what, God hasn't judged me for it, so it must be okay. And I have heard that statement out of people's mouths so many times. Well, God's not convicted me about it, or God hasn't judged me for it, so it must be okay. Now, when we get to that place in our life, that's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place. But we won't get to that place if we don't compromise on truth. We've got to stay true to truth. Our world is getting more worldly. It is, it is becoming more clear the differences between the believers and unbelievers. But unfortunately, some who claim to be believers are compromising on truth so much that you can't tell them from an unbeliever. And that ought not be the case. You know, as your pastor, I'm going to preach against that. Why? Because I'm going to stand before God. Why am I going to preach against it? Because you're going to stand before God. I want your life to be blessed. And if I don't teach the truth, then what are you going to have to make those decisions on? And each of us, we need to make sure that we are staying true to truth. Let's not compromise. 2021. Man, that seemed like a year so far away when I was a kid. It was the Jetsons in my mind. In the year 2000, we would have been flying around in, in space in these little cars. That's sort of how I envisioned this year. 
this time frame being. Now, that's not, the, that's not the reality, but what is the reality? Truth has not changed one bit. And let's just be faithful. Let's just hold the truth. Let's not change. Let's not let a changing culture change us. A society that doesn't want to embrace mainstream Christianity, just like mainstream media, is compromised. And we cannot do so. Let's stay true to truth. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you'd bless this evening and just help each of us to have some resolve. Uh, Lord, to stay true to you. Uh, spiritual leaders, I pray that they would, they would take those, those responsibilities and opportunities, Lord, and, and not allow them uh, to, to fall. I pray that we would stand true to truth. Uh, I pray, Lord, for each of our people, Lord, that each of us would just look at what you have given to us and not allow the truth to fall uh, to the ground. So just help us uh, to be faithful to you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.